Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a conversation with the author of Ignition 2084 and the inspiration behind it. Does he really think America is headed toward the second civil war his novel imagines? Also this morning, the Agribusiness Committee of the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce is holding their annual fresh whole hog sausage sale. We'll get details. And we have another collection of yummy and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 24th, 2023. So this is the story uh, that I saw, a new study has revealed that being a devoted employee is maybe the worst thing you can do to achieve work-life balance because being a devoted employee will leave you with more work and unpaid overtime. <laughs> it's like that meme I saw the other day on online. The reward for hard work is more work. Uh, Duke University researchers conducted experiments with 1,400 managers uh, when an employee was described as loyal, managers were more likely to try to recruit that person for additional work, much of it unpaid. Matthew Stanley uh, is the uh, researcher at Duke University who describes this as a vicious cycle. Loyal workers tend to get picked out for exploitation. And then when they do something that is exploitative, in other words, when they uh, capitulate to that, when they agree to go above and beyond, thinking that will make them a loyal employee, they end up getting a boost in their reputation as a loyal worker, which leads to even more additional responsibilities and unpaid work. So it's, uh, it is true, <laughs> they say... That uh, no good deed goes unpunished. You are a loyal, hard worker. That just means you get more work. (laughs) Now you know why the slackers in your office are slackers. You know what I mean? That explains a lot. Uh, Speaking of workplace issues, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a lawyer in the U.K., who unsuccessfully sued his employer after a colleague asked him to stop passing gas in the office, has been awarded about $170,000 in compensation over his request to work from home being refused. So here's the story. Tariq Muhammad said in court that he couldn't stop his flatulence, which was caused by medication he was taking for a heart condition. And the demands from co-workers for him to stop were embarrassing and violated his dignity. But a tribunal ruled that uh, the colleague's request had been made reasonably owing to the size of the office that they shared and the repeated number of flatulence, flatulence incidents, <laughs> the tribunal said. The uh, Crown Prosecution Service of England and Wales accepted the ruling and uh, or accepted that it had been unfair uh, to Mr. Muhammad 
by refusing to let him work remotely two days a week or leave work a little bit early to support his management of his heart condition. Uh, the tribunal heard his employees uh, heard his employer's actions had left him feeling unsupported and vulnerable, angry, and upset. So that's it's kind of a rock and a hard place. <laughs> it's uh, his uh, coworkers were complaining about his uh, ongoing flatulence, which he couldn't control, but they wouldn't let him work from home, which would satisfy his coworkers. I guess I I don't know. It's, just kind of an interesting <laughs> all over workplace flatulence, passing gas in the workplace. Okay, what else is uh, going on? Good mornings, by the way, to you uh, on this uh, Friday morning. Just uh, waking up, getting going on your uh, Friday morning. Uh, maybe you're just waking up to your first cup of coffee. A new study just published in the New England Journal of Medicine shed some light on why drinking coffee has been linked to better overall health. And it has. You've probably heard this, that coffee drinkers have better overall health. As long as you don't overdo it, uh, coffee can be good for your health. And here's why. The uh, caffeinated among us log more physical activity per day. Uh, Apparently, uh, you get the jitters, you can't sit still, you get more activity, and that's good for you is the long and short of it. Researchers at the University of California tracked a group of people using step counters uh, and noted those who drank coffee generally logged an average of 1,000 more steps a day than those who did without <laughs> because, because they can't sit still. Um, that, and they're constantly getting up to go to the break room to get more coffee. Uh, that equates to about a half a mile more than those who don't drink coffee. They, they walk about a half a mile more on a daily basis. And in previous studies that were referenced by this study, getting 1,000 extra steps per day created a, or correlated to a 6 to 15% reduction in premature mortality. The study also notes on the downside that coffee drinkers logged less sleep than their non-caffeinated counterparts which is probably no surprise. In fact, they generally got 36 fewer minutes of sleep a night because they were at pacing. They were getting their steps in, I guess. Um, researchers also looked into the links between drinking coffee and heart palpitations, that flutter in your heart that is generally harmless to healthy people and a symptom some people try to avoid by not drinking coffee. The study noted that while coffee drinkers did experience palpitations um so did the non-coffee drinkers among the subjects so apparently no correlation there uh the coffee drinking subjects recorded 58 such uh heart palpitations daily uh those who didn't drink coffee had 53 so no uh, statistical uh significance there no real significance in the in the numbers Long and short of it is this, feel free to drink coffee, but if you can, don't scrimp on sleep. Maybe cut down on the coffee before bed because uh, sleep, like physical activity, a big part of staying healthy. So there you go for what it's worth. A <clears throat> um, couple of other uh, items here among the first things you need to know 
this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Here is another story, another example of technology taking over our lives. There was a time when the idea of dating a robot would be just stupid. But apparently, in the age of artificial intelligence, not so much. Um, an Ohio man by the name of Scott, that's how he asked to be identified, reference they didn't, Scott didn't want folks to use his last name, uh, has apparently become involved in a relationship with Serena. Uh, Serena is a pink-haired, AI-powered female avatar that he created using an app called Replica. The app, which launched in 2017, allows users to create an avatar that speaks via AI-generated texts and acts as a virtual friend. Well, apparently, Scott and Serena have become more than friends. Scott downloaded the app and paid for the premium subscription. He chose all the available companionship settings in the app, friend, sibling, romantic partner, in order to build Serena. Sibling and romantic partner. Hmm. I think Scott's got issues. <laughs> Scott said his burgeoning romance with Serena eventually led to him opening up more to his wife, who had serious postpartum depression at the time. Before the chatbot came along, they had been considering divorce. He says he doesn't consider his relationship with Serena as cheating. And he actually credits her for fixing his marriage. As for AI chatbots, some technology experts warn that they are not real people. It's a shame that we actually have to tell people this. They're not real people. And uh, they present only the illusion of companionship. Sherry Turkle, who's a professor at MIT, uh, says just because AI can present a human face, that does not mean it is human. It is performing humanness. There's a difference. The performance of love is not love. The performance of a relationship is not a relationship. There is a difference, but I guess Scott doesn't care. And if it saved his marriage, as he claims, I guess more power to him, but that's just weird. But this is the world we live in. This is where we're headed, I guess, with this technology. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, some parenting advice for you. If you want to, this may seem counterintuitive, but if you want your kid to be smart, don't call your kid smart. That is the takeaway from a new study by the University of Georgia. They say that complimenting your child's intelligence only leads to frustrations when they can't, in their mind, live up to those expectations. Researchers found that parents who link encouragement to their child's personality will only lead to poorer performance. Michael Barger with uh, University of Georgia's uh, Department of Educational Psychology Said of the study results, quote, person-focused praise sounds good, but ultimately it might undermine students' motivation if they run into challenges. He says, because if you run into challenges after being told you're smart, you might think, well, I guess those people who are saying I'm smart were wrong. 
now, they look specifically at math competency uh, in this study. And they said, uh, we know that people tend to think about math as something that some people can do and others can't. Um, and uh, that's so those kinds of responses are rooted in the belief that somebody's ability in math can't change. You're either born with it or you're not, which is not true. In fact, students who get the old, you get it, you're, you'll get it, you're smart, actually have been found to have more anxiety about mathematics and have a worse performance on tests. So what do you do instead if, you're, if you don't try to, if you're not supposed to encourage your kids by telling them that you believe they're smart? They say instead of person-focused praise, they advise using process responses such as you worked hard or what might be useful next time, uh, what might be useful next time you have a math test. Uh, parents, too, need to be educated or re-educated to know that nobody is born with a math gene and it is uh, something that is you're not just born with as it relates to math, but... I thought that was kind of interesting. You want your kids to be smart. Don't call them smart. Encourage them in other ways. And I can kind of see where they're going with that. Anyway, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy skies today. A few showers. A high of 42. Showers are likely tonight. A low of 38. Forecasters expect the excessive rainfall we've been getting to cause some flooding locally. Some flooding is forecast for the usual spots along the Blanchard River and Eagle Creek in Findlay. The city reminds you to never drive around road close signs and into high water. Remember, you can always get the latest to river levels and forecast on our website. Public safety officials gathered in Finley to discuss the state's migration to the Next Generation 911 system. Kathleen Madden is director of the Ohio Department of Administrative Services. The investment will be on the user end. They'll see, hopefully, better response times. It provides more authoritative location information for first responders. It eases the burden across telephone lines so that 911 calls get routed to the appropriate department faster. She said it's necessary to upgrade the existing 911 system to adapt to how people communicate today and says the new system will include features like text to 911. Get more of our conversation with Madden about this on our website. Governor DeWine gave testimony before a U.S. Senate committee on the East Palestine train derailment. The governor's main message to senators was railways need to be made safer all across the country. Norfolk Southern has an obligation to restore this community. It was their train, their tracks, their accident. They're responsible for this tragedy. The governor testified virtually from the East Palestine High School Library. He also announced the temporary health clinic that opened up there will be permanent. I'm Yolanda Harris. Students are running out of time to apply for a Finley Kiwanis scholarship. The scholarship was established in 1974 to support Hancock County students in their pursuit of a college education. The scholarship is funded by the Finley Kiwanis Club through projects like the annual Kiwanis Pancake Day, Purse Bingo, and through donations from members. Since its inception, more than $175,000 in scholarships has been awarded. We have a link to the application, and they must be received by March 31st. Remember, you can get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, our next guest, Jordan Hampton, is a man who wears many hats, educator, martial artist, Christian preacher, and writer. 
His debut novel is Ignition 2084, described as a dystopian thriller set in a post-Civil War II America. (laughs) Wow! Jordan, just the description here is intense. Do you actually believe that we are headed towards another civil war in this country, or is this just your wild imagination run amok? I feel like there's definitely been some tension in the last few years, and (laughs) I'm... I have to admit, I am not a political science kind of mind, but I do feel like when it comes to humanity, when it comes to people, especially people who have a disagreement, they will oftentimes find a way to justify extremes taken. And I wouldn't necessarily say that a civil war is imminent, but I also wouldn't say that we can rule it out just because, you know, we are so evolved as people. Now, you uh, you say you're not a political science uh, kind of person, a political science expert, um, and yet politically much has been uh, discussed about how we seem to be uh, separating, splintering off into these tribes, and one of the central themes of the book is that a nation of tribes cannot survive. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, I, while I'm not a political science mind, I am a huge history buff. And so I, I looked into not just, you know, American history to validate some of the points that I made about race relations in the United States, but I also looked into feudal Japan. Uh, feudal Japan was, uh, between the mid 1500s and the early 1600s. And during that time, uh, the, the governmental structure had fallen apart. And so you had all of these feudal lords, the samurai families who mounted armies and went to war with each other, trying to reunify Japan. And as much as we see the feudal Japan being glorified in media, uh, it kind of speaks to the same thing that my book does. Mm-hmm. Tribes can't survive. There's only so far that you can get by hunkering down in ideology and refusing to evolve. I always wonder when I hear people talk about, you know, we've all heard that old uh, that old saying that those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But I always uh, kind of hesitate a little bit when people go that far back uh, in history. It's one thing to look back at uh, the, well, let's just say the incidents and the circumstances that led to the first civil war uh, between the states. Um, it's something else to go back four, five, six hundred hundred years or so. I mean, societies are very different today than they were then. So is that still relevant or how do you draw that line and draw that parallel? I think that just like the founding fathers uh, looked at a number of different templates for, you know, the, the structure of American government, I feel like there are some things that were omitted that still have their place in conversation. And I think that Yes, absolutely. Societies are different than how they were 500, 600 years ago, but we're still dealing with, in 2023, uh, a lot of socio-political fallout that hasn't been addressed or hasn't been rectified from the time period of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then we, we like to think of it uh, as so far, uh, so long ago, um, and, you know, medieval Japan is so long ago, but 
Japan closed its borders for about 200 years, and they never really evolved beyond medieval Japan for those 200 years. They opened their borders again, and I think, uh, I think 1863, somewhere between 1863 and 1865, and by 1865, they did, they finally did away with the samurai class, mm-hmm. and and it, that was the same year that the United States was doing away with slavery. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple of times, you kind of touched on this, one of the central themes uh, in this book, and indeed, one of the things that splits uh, Americans into these tribes that we see politically, socially, and so on, uh, is race. Uh, and you are a black man. How do mm-hmm. you... How do you see these discussions and what needs to be discussed uh, about race that isn't or isn't being discussed the right way? The most vocal faction when it comes to issues of race uh, holds to the belief that, or at least they appear to hold to the belief that if it doesn't happen to them, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a certain comfort that comes with omission. Uh, but there's a lot of erasure that comes with that too. Uh, like my experiences as a black man and a black educator, I've had, uh, I've had people clutch their bags when they walk past me on the street, not because I did anything, but just because of the color of my skin. Yeah. Uh, I've had parents express their lack of comfort or confidence in me when teaching my high school, uh, sophomores again, not because of the job performance, but because they don't feel comfortable with a black man being their child's teacher. Just to interject, just to interject there real quickly. How often is that overtly said uh, versus implied? I'm just curious. Uh, overtly said, it has been said at least twice since hmm. I started teaching seven wow. years ago. Wow. Uh, implied a whole lot more. Yeah. And, you know, there's a difference between people just simply not liking how you do things and people just yeah seeing you with this this expression of pure animosity yeah um i i just i wonder how often somebody will say oh i'm I'm not sure that i really like uh that teacher whether i really like mr hampton but i'm not sure exactly why i can't put that you put my and you know if they're not even realizing that that's the reason why i mean it happens a lot yeah and i i I don't i'm not entirely sure that it's because of the color of my skin uh, entirely. Yeah. I think it's because with being a black person, there comes the realization that, you know, I see that there are discrepancies here and there. I see that everybody's lived experience is not exactly the same. And, you know, I think there's a lot of fear that I might try to indoctrinate them when that's right. the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah, that is, that is uh, one of the big buzzwords uh, in education today is indoctrination. What are the challenges of educating high school students in this kind of environment that we live in today, especially for you, where you say, uh, you know, quite often people make that assumption just going in? I think the biggest challenge for me is uh, sophomore English. We're doing Fahrenheit 451 this year. We're doing uh, Night by Elie Wiesel this year. Um, the literature that we're already going over has uh, has given 
you know, teachers the platform to talk about things that, you know, the kids are seeing. We have the responsibility as educators to make connections between material and the world around us uh, because the kids are only just learning how to do that themselves. But it's difficult to do that when some people would rather pretend that, you know, the things that the kids are seeing don't actually exist mm. or uh, the open dialogues that books like Night or Fahrenheit 451 right. uh, inspire everyone is scared to have that have any kind of conversation for fear of being ridiculed or canceled or yeah that, any other derogatory expectation that is a, a pretty hefty reading list uh, again when you talk about uh, some of the ideas that are in the crosshairs uh, today and again just to kind of uh, you know segue back to the book itself your book ignition 2084 this all kind of uh, plays into how you craft the story and how that story plays out in this uh, dystopian post civil war to america oh absolutely and it- Ignition 2084, I I like to write from a cinematic perspective. I like battles. I like uh, incredible science fiction technology. I like diversity. I like conversation. So I, I use my knowledge of, you know, military operations and proceedings uh, to kind of craft the perfect scenarios in a post-Civil War, but still very hostile environment that is... Uh, I guess within the context of the story, effectively America's feudal stage. (laughs) And I present the story through a number of different perspectives. There are people from the oppressive Scarlet Kingdom who realize that these people that they've been taught to hate or taught to fight against are actually just people trying to do the best that they can with what they've got. And then you have the people who are, you know, fighting for everything that they believe in, trying not to be erased off the planet who encounter the people from the Scarlet Kingdom. And they also come to that realization that they're just doing the best that they can with what they've got. Mm. And so I really play around with the idea. There's no such thing as a hero or a villain in a time of war. There are only those who do what they can. Yeah. Uh, and, and you hope that, that this story may becomes a, maybe becomes a catalyst for those kinds of conversations in the here and now based on the reality that we uh, live in today? Absolutely. I wanted to present that kind of uh, meeting in the middle of ideals from two very, very different extremes, because I, as, as, prone to violence as as people can be, as history has proven. Mm -hmm. They're also prone to diplomacy. They're also prone to hearing each other out. And I I think that in the wake of 2020, when all of us were on lockdown because of COVID and a little stir crazy, and then I think that violence was kind of a first response or rather an unwillingness to hear differences of opinions or perspectives was a first response. And I kind of wanted to present you know, this this catalyst, this is the worst case scenario. This yeah. is this is where we could go, but it doesn't have to be that way. So who knew the idea of a dystopian thriller set in a post-Civil War II America might actually turn out to be a rather hopeful story. Again, uh, Jordan Hampton is the author of Ignition 2084. It is his debut novel. And uh, Jordan, you have a website where folks can learn more about you and about the book? Oh, absolutely. AuthorJordanHampton.com. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, Jordan, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Best of luck with the book. Thank you. 
So going on right now, the Agribusiness Committee of the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce is holding their annual Fresh Whole Hog Sausage Sale. And uh, our good friend Doug Jenkins from the Chamber is with us on the line this morning. And uh, first of all, uh, Doug, explain what the uh, Agribusiness Committee of the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce is and what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having us, Chris. So what we do is raise money for agribusiness scholarships, which we're actually taking applications for that right now. I can talk about that in a little bit. But the way we do that, uh, for those who are interested in applying, those are kids who want to go into an agriculture-related field, whether it be food science or you know even diesel mechanics. I yeah, think we, many people working on tractors, things like that. Yeah, yeah, we've um, talked about so that in the in the past. That there are so yeah. many careers that are agriculture related. Absolutely. So we want to we want to encourage people to go into these fields. We want to encourage people to we want to develop more agriculture leaders. Every year, the farmers share breakfast. There's the there's the Ag Hall of Fame award from mm-hmm. the OSU Extension Office. Right. And we want to make sure that we have future leaders to uh, be Hall of Famers, so to speak. So the best way to do that is to make sure they get a good education uh, on this subject. And so we offer scholarships to them. We raise money for that by doing the whole hog sausage sale, which is going on right now. And then the uh, farmer's breakfast in June will also raise money for that. But that's the primary focus of the of the committee. We also do uh, support agriculture education. Uh, we're a big supporter of the Historical Museum. They've got a great agriculture display uh-huh. on the premises there. So uh, we, we make sure to support them as well. But those are pretty much the two primary things that the committee does. So the scholarship, uh, tell us a little bit more about this. As you mentioned, the scholarship uh, application window is open right now as well. That's correct. So uh, any current senior in high school or a current college student who's from the Hancock County area is eligible to apply. And all you have to do is go on to our website, FindlayHancockChamber.com, do the drop-down menu and go down to the Agribusiness Committee, uh, and then there's the application link on there. Fill it out. Uh, it's Basically, it's just a Google form. It uh, takes a little bit to do, uh, but we want to make sure we get uh, a quality pool of applicants uh, so we can make sure that, that people are able to, to – really pursue this field and, and keep us strong in this industry. It's the biggest industry in, in Hancock County. We want to bring people back who keep it strong. Yeah, we uh, sometimes forget that. Unless you're involved in the day-to-day operations of agriculture, you may not realize or you may uh, forget that it is a huge part of the yeah. local economy. And again, there are no restrictions in terms of what that ag-related field may be. No, it just so just so long as it ties into agriculture somehow. I suppose if you're pursuing a broadcast degree, maybe maybe if you're pursuing, if you want to be like uh, Vaughn, you can uh, <laughs> say, "My dream is to be Vaughn Wickerham." <laughs> and then, well, first of all, and, we may refer you to some professional help if that's the case. <laughs> but that's a good point. Yeah, that's actually a way to get on a watch list. So don't do that. Uh, but uh, as long as it, as long as it's tied to the agriculture community or uh, an agriculture career uh when you're done with your post-secondary it'll be considered now uh the whole hog sausage sale as you mentioned is the uh one of the fundraisers to help fund these scholarships that is going on right now and this is really good stuff give us all of the details here 
That's correct. It's all locally sourced whole hog sausage. It'll be processed up at Pioneer Packaging in Bowling Green, and then we will package it uh, down at Herdwell uh, in in Arlington. The Agribusiness Committee actually does the packaging, which is a first for me. I've not done that since joining the chamber. Uh, everything <laughs> went a little sideways back in 2020, if you remember. Uh, but now, um, but now we're back to normal. So uh, we'll be packaging it at Herdwell. So the way it works is we sell. Three pound bags of the sausage is great. Twelve dollars for uh, a, a purchase, um, which is a great price actually for three pounds of whole hog sausage. Uh, we sell it in seasons, which is just salt and pepper, and then there's unseasoned. And you can order it online at the chamber's website. Actually, if you go to that agribusiness link uh, that I was telling you about, you can either go to our web store or go to the agribusiness committee page on the chamber's website, and there it'll take you to the store to buy it. Uh, so you can order online. You can call us at the chamber. Or uh, you can talk to an agribusiness committee member. To do now, uh, how long is the sausage sale going on? Uh, next Friday is the deadline. So the okay. pickup day will be April 15th, which is a Saturday. That'll be out at Legacy Lawn and Pet. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll have sausage sandwiches. We'll be grilling up out there. Air Cut and Locker over at Hearthside Food Solutions. He's excited to man the grill again this year. Um, so we'll have pickup day out there. Uh, I think they do a customer appreciation day at the same time. But we need to have the orders in by next Friday. So okay. You so, want to get on and get that order. Do not delay. So a week from today is the uh, deadline to order, again, with all of the uh, proceeds benefiting the uh, Agribusiness Committee uh, Scholarship Fund uh, for uh, local students uh, interested in getting into this field. As we mentioned uh, this is a decent price for you know three pounds of uh, whole hog sausage. That has been one of the news stories uh, of the year: the rising prices uh, at yeah. the grocery store. And you know, it's worth pointing out that uh, farmers don't generally see those pricing. I mean, we're seeing we're paying more for the prices uh, for the food we buy in the grocery aisle. That doesn't mean more money going into the pocket of the farmers here locally. No, it most definitely does. And in fact, they're probably spending more on input prices, the yeah. way that everything works. Uh, so it's, um, you know, this is, it's a good price. It's a great value. It supports a great cause. And also, Chris, it's really good. I can't tell you how many people we have come to tell us, this is the best sausage and we can only get it once a year. It's like Girl Scout cookies, but only for like, if you like breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, again, it's fresh. It's locally sourced. Uh, whole hog sausage sale going on right now. We do have a link up at our webpage at uh, goodmornings.net uh, to uh, get oh, thank uh, you. to uh, put the uh, orders in. And again, one week from today is going to be your deadline. Doug Jenkins with the uh, Findlay Hancock County Chamber of Commerce and the Agribusiness Committee whole hog sausage sale going on right now. Doug, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Well, I tell you what, kids will be kids. New York City firefighters received an unusual emergency call Tuesday evening. Five kids were lost in the sewer system. I'm guessing that's not where you want to be lost. In the sewer system. When the 911 dispatcher asked for an address of the emergency, one of the kids said... He didn't know we're stuck in the sewers, the voice on the other line said. Uh, Marland Hexhillo, I think is how you pronounce the name of the 911 operator, had to ask a series of questions in order to find the boy's location. Uh, firefighters found the kids by opening a nearby manhole cover 
and calling out to them, firefighter John Loniker says the boys were relieved have been crawling around in the sewer for about an hour before they were able to reach out to 911. They had one cell phone light, and that was it, they said. So, thinking in the New York City sewers, that could have had a uh, much less happy ending. You know what I mean? Bet they won't do that again. Elsewhere in the broken news, speaking of teenagers, in Nolensville, Tennessee, just south of Nashville, police took into custody a 16-year-old kid who was clocked driving over the speed limit, way over the speed limit, 106 miles per hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. Wow! 106 in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. Officials say it happened near City Hall. The teenager told the arresting officer he just wanted to see how fast his car would go. Okay, Uh, kids will be kids. And when I was 16, (laughs) I was not the the safest driver, and I did some pretty stupid things. But 106 in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. Obviously a populated area. I think he's going to lose his driving privileges for a while. In other broken news this morning, (laughs) a hair tool being blamed for a lockdown in New Jersey on Thursday night. Monmouth University went on lockdown after a report of a possible gunman on campus, but it turned out to be far less sinister, just a woman running around with a curling iron in her hand. (laughs) Detectives used cameras to identify the device. More than 100 officers searched buildings Uh, searched all the buildings on campus before giving the all-clear shortly before 2 a.m. Classes resumed this morning. (laughs) And a curling iron. So I I could see where that would be, you know, if you've got a woman running around on campus, she's waving something in her hand, that could be kind of scary in this day and age. It turns out it was just a curling iron. She's having a bad hair day. Again. Happy ending to that story, but it could have been, could have turned out much different. This is just grisly. I mean, this is just weird. Police in Pennsylvania came across an unusual site in a home they responded to. And Tuesday, police received a call that prompted them to visit the home in Aliquippa, where they found a deceased man, a crocodile, and over 200 snakes and lizards. Code Enforcement Officer Jim Bologna was summoned to catalog and remove the illegally kept reptiles, including 60 extremely venomous snakes and a dwarf caiman crocodile. Mr. Bologna said, I'm used to dealing with people having too many cats, too many dogs, but never a crocodile. This was, this was a first. Police have not revealed the cause of death of the deceased. He did have a healed snake bite, so it is unlikely that was the cause of his passing. The other residents of the home, apparently there were other residents in this home, and they face up to $180,000 in fines for the illegally kept reptiles. 
See, this is why I would not want the job of police officer because you might end up responding to this type of call. This is this is why not everybody can be a cop. You know, it's just wow. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, kind of a light collection of broken news this morning, but this is uh, this is weird. It's not uh, it's not a bad thing necessarily, uh, but Uber Eats, you know, the food delivery service, Uber Eats is investigating a string of phantom deliveries in the Los Angeles area. Residents of Highland Park have been receiving orders from mcdonald's and starbucks that they did not place and just randomly showing up at at various homes and this has been going on since late february at random times all of the deliveries just show up at random times they have seemingly made up names and the names don't seem to be associated with the phone numbers that were given on the orders but the addresses are real Uh, Some residents are choosing to donate the food, but it is unclear as to who is actually placing the orders or why. They don't know if it's a case of credit card fraud or uh, AI run amok or something else entirely. Is somebody doing this out of the kindness of their heart or nobody knows? To add to the confusion, a similar trend has popped up In Canada, in British Columbia, some residents there have been receiving deliveries of bottled water and sides of gravy. (laughs) Of all things. (laughs) Here's your bottled water and a side of gravy. What? I didn't... (laughs) If you get an order for bottled water and a side of gravy, you know you, you should be suspicious, I would think. Uh, Just weird. Nobody knows what's going on. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Finley's Andy Ritz on becoming a Finley Rotarian. After 35 years working as a pediatrician in Finley, I wanted to give back to the community, but not at my job, but as a service that would reach many people. The best way to do this was for me to join Finley Rotary, and that's what I did in February of 2022. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Finley Rotary at findleyrotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Are you hiding a pet from your landlord? Or if you have rented in the past, have you ever done this? A survey of 1,000 adults who have a pet and live in an apartment, 10% one in ten say they are, are keeping a pet in their apartment despite it being specifically banned in their rental agreement. One in ten. One in four have reported doing so in the past and admit that they have felt anxious, worried, and or guilty about it. Of the 10% that have been caught with a pet that they shouldn't have, say they were most often caught, they were found out during a surprise visit by the landlord, which they are allowed to do. 20% say they were tattled on by a neighbor. 19% admit to a 
uh, covered their pet's cage or pet bed with a sheet when the landlord came over unexpectedly to try and hide the fact that they have a pet. And what are the most commonly kept clandestine pets in apartments? Dogs, number one. Cats and rabbits in second and third place, respectively. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio for another collection of yummy and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's kitchen. She's actually a little under the weather today, so yeah. feeling a little <laughs> bleh. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the weather. But, but the dedicated person that she is, she has made her way all the way down the hall into the studio. <laughs> Here. I even took a shower to get the stink off. <laughs> well, let me tell you how much we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this is the uh, so this is the story. Uh, this, I want to see what you think about this uh, okay. because I saw this on the uh, Newswire this morning. Apparently, uh, social media is divided over this. There is a uh, TikTok, uh, the uh, user at Foods Fun Three. Okay. Okay. Uh, who has come up with a kitchen hack to mimic the taste of homemade pasta by blending pasta to make dough for pasta. Uh, this is apparently how it works. Um, it involves mixing the spaghetti that you get out of a box, right? Okay. okay. So you, you mix that up in a blender okay. so it becomes a powder, right? Okay. Then you crack an egg... Uh, and knead the egg into the powder and that whole thing you knead into a dough. Okay. All right. Once you roll roll that out, then you cut it. Right. Uh, to make... Pasta. Pasta. Right. <laughs> and but it's already pasta. It's already pasta, but <laughs> uh-huh. she claims, or this person, she or he, I'm not sure... Uh, claims that it is more like homemade. Well, yeah, it's going to be more like an egg noodle, like a thick egg noodle. Yeah, than than like a spaghetti, which is thinner. Right. So it's going to be more. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But, but it's simpler. You know, you they can, claim that it's simpler than making your own homemade pasta. Well, do you know they, starting... that, that stuff they sell in the freezer section? Of... <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> some some commenters, again, social media appears split in the comments uh, of the uh, video. Some people were appalled and questioned, did you just unmake pasta to make more pasta? <laughs> Uh, while one other said, uh, I am a very confused Italian at this point. <laughs> yeah, <no doubt. laughs> So it does seem rather odd. But anyway, there you go. Okay. You can try it. Uh, a little uh, kitchen hack there, yeah. making I'm homemade good. pasta from I'm good. boxed pasta, <laughs> if you are so inclined. You can undo pasta to make more pasta. Uh, so the recipes uh, today actually okay. have nothing to do with pasta. We have, no. this is really good. Uh, I saw this on uh, Facebook, and I shared it with you, yep. and here it is. Lo and behold, we tried this, and they are yummy. They are really good. Crack chicken burgers. Yes, so one pound ground chicken, one one ounce package of ranch dressing mix, the dry mix, Mm -hmm. Uh, one third cup cooked crumbled bacon, one cup shredded cheddar cheese, and your hamburger buns. Of course. And so combine your ground chicken with your ranch dressing, your cooked bacon, and your cheddar cheese. Then form those into three or four burger patties. 
preheat your grill, grill your chicken burgers um, for four to five minutes per side, uh, then serve on the hamburger bun with your favorite hamburger toppings, and it, that's it. Really easy. Really um, easy and really good. Really good. You yeah. do have to grill them, though, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, this is not something you put in a pan. I don't think so. You yeah. would have to grill yeah. this. We did it in the- uh, I did it in my air fryer In the grill. air fryer. Well, I did yeah. it on the grill. On the grill. Of, the, of my air fryer. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah these the would be plate. absolutely delicious yeah. uh, on the- on the oh yeah, grill, on the grill, grill. grill. We will yeah. be doing that this spring. No, this no question. <laughs> yeah. Really easy cracked chicken burgers. Uh, yeah. I can recommend them highly. And by the way, the uh, ranch dressing. I, I I think you could probably dial that back just a tad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe use instead of the whole package, uh, maybe three quarter, yeah. half to three quarter. Yeah, because it is kind of salty. It it does kind of overwhelm yeah. the yeah. flavor of the chicken. So yeah. I might back that off just a hair. Yeah, but. They're really Whatever good. you prefer. If you like ranch, yeah. though. Uh, to go along with that, we have honey bacon roasted potatoes. Yes, and we did this, um, I want to say, last week I, I made these. So uh, five red uh, skin potatoes cut into cubes, uh, two tablespoons of minced garlic, two thick bacon strips cut into pieces, three tablespoons of honey, two tablespoons of butter, and salt and pepper to taste. So chop up your potatoes into a half inch cubes and put them in a large pot cover with water add about one tablespoon of salt boil the potatoes until tender about eight minutes or so um in the meantime preheat your oven to 400 degrees then drain your uh potatoes let them steam dry for about 10 minutes um and then in the meantime lightly oil a rimmed uh baking sheet and heat it up in the oven so, so you're going to um, heat the baking sheet you're, up. You're going to heat the baking sheet with the oil on it. Okay. Um, you're going to heat that up. Then spread the cooked potatoes on the warm baking she- sheet, drizzle with some olive oil, toss to coat well, and then uh, spread back out. Then roast the potatoes for about 30 minutes. Um, and that give it a quick stir about um, 10 to 15 minutes Um you know, depending on your oven. Um, while the potatoes are cooking, brown your diced uh, bacon in a skillet until crispy. Drain, add the butter, honey, and minced garlic. Uh, stir until combined. Uh, when the roasted potatoes are done, pour the honey mixture over to mix and combine, then transfer to a serving dish and... Mm. Um, a little sweet and yeah. salty there with yeah, the potatoes. Yeah, it was uh, really good. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, honey the, bacon roasted yeah, potatoes. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets kind of, some of it, it'll get like that candy coated bacon yeah. crunchy. Yeah. It's really good. good I stuff. liked it. Uh, and then for dessert, we have a recipe for peanut butter and jelly cookies. Yes. PB&J cookies. Yes. <laughs> so um, you can make your own homemade peanut butter um, uh, <laughs> cookies, or if you want, just get the store-bought. That's fine okay. also. All right. Either way. But this um, is... Um, the peanut butter cookie, so a half a cup of butter, so one stick of butter, three-fourths cup of granulated sugar, fourth cup of brown sugar packed, one cup of creamy peanut butter, one large egg, one teaspoon of vanilla, one and a half cups of flour, one teaspoon of baking soda, a quarter teaspoon of kosher salt, grape jelly, and extra jelly and peanut butter to garnish if you want. Uh-huh. Uh, so preheat your oven to 350 degrees, break, um, Grease two cookie sheets, um, then in a large uh, bowl or stand mixer, beat the uh, butter until it's smooth and creamy. 
scrape the sides of the bowl, add the sugar and brown sugar, uh, beat that all up until it's nice and fluffy. It's going to have a really light brown color to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then add your peanut butter, uh, beat that until it's combined, add your egg and your vanilla and beat that until it's combined. Then in a separate bowl, combine your flour, your baking soda, and your salt. Then turn that mixture um, onto a low setting and gradually add the dry ingredients. Okay. Um, then once the dough barely starts to come together with some flour still visible, stop and sc- uh, scrape your sides. Just make sure everything's good and uh, mixing all together. Shape your dough into one and a half to half inch balls. Uh, place each cookie on a baking sheet. Uh, with a couple inches of spaces in between because you're going to be smooshing down your cookies mm-hmm. um, either with a spoon or a fork. Um, you just kind of want to divot in the middle so then you can, can put your yeah, jelly you in. put your jelly in okay. there. And then you're going to bake at 350 for 13 to 15 minutes. Um, let it sit on your pan for about five to 10 minutes before you transfer it to another rack because it is going to... Um, um, It'll fall apart, so you want to want to make sure it's completely cool before you transfer it. Okay, um, and then uh, if presentation is important, add a little more, bit more peanut butter and jelly. Um, you can melt some peanut butter and drizzle it on top and make it look yeah, pretty and enjoy. You so uh, you do add the jelly before you bake it. Yes. So uh huh. Okay. You can so, add more jelly if you want. To. Menu can add, some, mm-hmm. add more. So yep. good stuff. That that'd be a favorite of the kids. I think. Yes. Uh, so the uh, cracked chicken burgers, the honey bacon roasted potatoes, and the PB and J cookies. Uh, those recipes are posted on the uh, Facebook page, yeah. right? Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. And my wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And once again, a reminder, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Coming up Monday on the program in the past week, local public health officials have issued an overdose spike alert making Sheriff Michael Heldman's upcoming opioid update event all the more timely and critical for the future of the community. We'll get more details. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.